Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The moon is swithened o'er the moorside and the hearth brasses glimmer in the white night. Oh, if this hearth could speak, what whispers would it cast across the bar? What laughter it would burn. But, dear Swainsman, speak it does, in amber, ash and smoke. See its forked tongues wag, its burnished mouth open. In the moon underwater. Robin, look out of the porthole. Go, go on. Yes, I'm looking. Yeah, it's a very much a porthole feel in the uh, front door of the moon underwater. Yeah, I can just see another porthole. Oh, okay. Look through that one as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite sure. Can you see that huge bright light in the distance? The moon? No, no, no. It's not the moon. It's not the moon. Okay. It's that specific type of bright light that you see when it's very, very dark, and you think, what on earth is that light? There's no big light near me. Right. And it always turns out to be a sports stadium. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a very specific type of bright white light that just shines up. Mm. And you think, well, either it's the second coming or it's the local football club. Yeah. They've just had some new lights installed, and it's 50-50, which it is. But I think what's happened here in the correct realm is that Moon Underwater FC, which, cause, because there's no name for the town we're in, I've just realised. Well, that's okay to have a pub uh, football club, isn't it? Yeah, Moon Underwater FC um, have turned on their brand new lights. And can you hear the faint sound of 400,000 people chanting someone's name? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes when you whisper, it does sound like lots of people cheering anyway, when you go... Like that. Well, that's exactly the sound they're making. And I think what's happening is that the 400,000 people, it really is quite an enormous stadium, are all cheering the arrival of this week's guest as she steps through porthole, through porthole and beyond, and within, 
into the moon underwater. It's Ellie Oldroyd. Hello, Ellie. Hello, John, and hello, Robin. How lovely to be with you. Oh, it's an absolute delight to have you here in the moon underwater. Please do pick up a seat of your own design, whatever seat you want to sit on. I don't want one of those uncomfortable stool affairs, the ones that are low and have no back. I'd quite like to just just be upright and and feel a little bit formal because I'm having a conversation, but relaxed at the same time. Oh, well, what I'm interested to see what the moon underwater... And I have to say, it's one of the most ergonomically designed office chairs I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Which actually would make... I mean, I speak as someone who, in in their own home, solely sits on an office chair, despite having a sofa and four other chairs. Do you really? So, so you, when you're lounging, watching the cricket, you're sitting in an office chair. Do you do you lounge? I'm not a lounge... Well, I'm a recliner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I press the little bar in and stop it reclining. So I've got that option. Do you ever release the little bar and allow yourself to go so far back it feels slightly dangerous? (laughs) Yeah, that's my adrenaline rush. Because, yeah, it's the only seat in the house I sit on, which is quite depressing when you you really think about it. But here, in a pub, you'd have that mixture of comfort and, like you say, sort of sitting to attention. I think kind of semi-lounging, but with, with back, with lumbar support as well. Mm. So so maybe a reasonably lowish chair, which has a back. You can sit slightly sideways on if you want to. And you can turn around to talk to different people in your group that you're you're in the pub with. But but there has to be that chance to just lean back a little bit if somebody's being a bit dull. Right. I'm just making mm-hmm. some notes of this. So lowish chair, you can lean sideways. It's got lumbar support. You can also lean back. I mean, are we staring down the barrel of a kind of one of those like hotel lobby chairs? It could be, but not too high on, on the back. Right. Because yeah. it sort of blocks out all ambient. They're those very, very, you know, those those like like you get in gentlemen's clubs, the wing backed chairs, I think they're called. Yeah. So sort of coming up to the sort of the, the, the pectoral, the sort of mid back. I think mm. so. I think mid back. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's I think I'm now sitting comfortably. Yeah. Well, there it is. The moon underwater has been listening to your stipulations there. Ellie, n- not only are you one of the great sports broadcasters, if not the great sports broadcaster, not just the voice of the UK, but the voice of UK sport. Speaking of chairs, you have the front row seat to not just all of the great sporting events, but some of the great sports people as well, that you get to sort of rub shoulders with and mingle with, and can I ask whether you get to lash with them? <laughs> well, well, I I know, I know, John, that you have a particular fondness for, for James Anderson, England's most successful ever fast bowler. I've now told him I loved him three times in person. You You have. I remember the first time that you were on air with him, you did actually say that, didn't you? You know, and I, I, I don't think we'd kind of given away the fact. So this was on your Friday afternoon show with Ellis, and I was at, I can't remember, was I at the Oval or Edgbaston or somewhere like that? I, I can't remember the specifics. But I, I, you know, we hadn't we hadn't revealed to you that James Anderson was going to be joining me in the Five Live box to share his thoughts on the game in progress. And when he appeared, and I said, um, John, I'd, I'd like to introduce you to to James Anderson, and you did say. I love you. I, I love you, James. Can we go for a coffee or something? <laughs> I don't think it was a coffee. <laughs> I, I think I said, "Can we go for six pints together?" <laughs> I think you may. Have, I think the, the, the start of the negotiation may have been a coffee, yeah. and then it very quickly 
went downhill to six pints. But yes, actually, funnily enough, I was thinking about being in a pub with Jimmy during during the summer just gone, uh, which was actually in Leeds. So it was the um, it was a one day international, which we were covering the next day, and I was sitting in the pub with with Jimmy. Um, Atif Nawaz was there as well, one of our other commentators, um, a couple of our producers, uh, Jamie and Henry Moran, I think, was there as well. And Jimmy just started telling us about how he swings the ball and how he bamboozles batsmen who do not know where to look and where the ball's coming from and how he conceals the ball before he delivers it so they don't know if it's going to swing in or swing out. And I remember going to the, going back to my room afterwards and messaging one of my friends saying, oh my God, I just had the most amazing evening in the bar with Jimmy t- talking about how he swings the ball. And the trouble is we all had far too much to drink and I can't remember <laughs> any of it now, which is probably just as well because I could then reveal, I, well, it could be worth a great deal of money. Mm. You know, Jimmy revealing his his big secrets. Well, that's when he retires, that's the sort of thing people are going to pay through the nose to have him discuss after dinner speeches, corporate events. Well, that's right. He's got to keep his powder dry, hasn't he? He can't he can't just be lashing lashing it away in a in a bar in Leeds. <laughs> have you ever thought about just trying to recreate that level of drunkenness to kind of access that part of your memory? I do, yes, that's a good question, isn't it? What do you, do you mean if you if you just kind of try and go back through the layers? bit like when you plug your time machine into your computer and it comes back with all of these shadow versions of of the the settings on your computer going back five years that maybe actually the right level of gin could take me to that that bar of that hotel in Leeds. Mm. I, for long periods of my life, I've spent thinking about what my life would be like as a test match special commentator or summariser. And I have reached the conclusion that it is the best life on earth i think so the countries you get to go to are australia new zealand sri lanka india the west indies pakistan and yeah. and i think again now south africa and england it's a good year it is a good year actually the the interesting thing from from my point of view is that i've i've actually only relatively recently gone on to what they call the international beat of cricket because for a long time i, I started so my big ambition when i was a teenager you know when I was 15 uh, and I was very very odd as a uh, as a teenage girl um somebody revealed to me at a school reunion many years later that I used to walk around the playing fields during the cricket season with this thick yellow book in my hand amazing which was the wisdom cricket almanac and actually if I just turn my camera around very slightly uh, you may just be able to see on the top shelf of my bookcase there are a number of wisdom cricket almanacs but I wanted to be a cricket journalist that was my you know my big aim in life was to be a cricket journalist and if I I thought if I could get somebody or, or just to work in cricket in some way I wasn't I wasn't that specific actually but I thought if I could get somebody who would pay me to watch cricket all day then that would be fine you know so it might have been working in a bar at Old Trafford or Edgbaston, although actually if you're in the bar, you don't get to see much of the cricket. But being around cricket was all I really wanted to do. And then, yeah, here we are, 40-something years on, and I'm I'm actually, I went to the, I went to the last two Ashes in Australia. Oh. You know, it's just, it is, it is fantastic. Can I just say, John, that, that just to go back to what you originally said, to be a cricket, a TMS commentator or summariser, you would probably have to have performed at Jimmy Anderson levels to be a, a summariser. You could still do it, John. It's not too late. Yeah, but a lot of them 
And I think this is a very sad state of affairs for a lot of sports because we are losing the genuine sports expert and journalist in favour of the ex-player. But a lot of them, there are lots of jokes about how bad some of them used to be. And I'd like to be one of those people that people are taking the mickey out of my record for the second 11. And yet I'm sat there with... Jimmy Anderson. Oh well, I, 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 that's what that you just we just want to be with Jimmy, don't you? Well, I just want to be with all of the gang because I think cricket is uniquely placed to be able to have a drink after the game, even if you're playing, which I'm sure they don't do anymore. But it doesn't start till eleven. You might not actually have to do anything for two days. Yes. So no wonder in the sort of eighties and nineties and and until way back when. There was an awful lot of booze involved. Well, I mean, Dennis Compton, I mean, going back even further, used to famously turn up. I mean, I don't know how many, how often he did it, but stories go that he would turn up at Lord's, still dressed in his dinner jacket from the night before, and then go and score a hundred before lunch. And then they used to drink at lunch. And they used to, they used, did used to drink at lunch. Yeah, it's interesting. Actually, funnily enough, I'm, I'm, I've spent most of this afternoon reading the autobiography of Wazi Makram, uh, the great Pakistani fast bowler, former captain, swing bowler. And he joined Lancashire in the 1990s. And that was the thing. One of the jobs of the 12th man at the end of each day's play was to line up the drinks in the dressing room. So on a tray, go to the bar. And, you know, so Neil Fairbrother would have a bottle of beer. I loved Neil Fairbrother. You know, Paul Allett would have a pint of lager um and and wazim when he joined because i mean obviously he was a, he was a good a good muslim boy from pakistan so he used to have a pint of milk oh on his tray <laughs> with the rest of the guys in the dressing wow. room so yeah so it's it is it was the thing that they did at the end of the day and and i think you know when i have been on the cricket beat you do sometimes end up staying in the same hotel as the players or you're in the same town as the players and and they might go and have one one sort of little 33 milliliter bottle of beer, perhaps, or a small glass of wine. Um, so actually, before, at the end of, again, this was in Leeds, at the end of one day, I think, of the test match, we were in the same hotel as the players and we wandered by and there was Jack Leach and Joe Root sitting and having a bit of a, a catch up with Brendan McCullum in the very same hotel bar that I'd, I'd sat with Jimmy. And, and there is, I think there is definitely a kind of a social expectation in these situations where you don't go up and say, you know, so, so, I mean, people like Mark Wood has worked with us on TMS, but if he was sitting there with Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes, you would not go up and say, Woody, how are you? Can we join you? You're right, guys. You know, who needs, who needs a round getting in? You'd, you'd say, well played today. Have a great evening and go out. Cause that's not, those are not the circumstances in which you say, I love you. Can we have six <laughs> pints together? Is there ever a circumstance for that? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, well, John has found that circumstance. You might still be going for a curry with Tuffers and Aggers and Ebony. and Yeah. I, I love all those stories when they're sort of a bit of a break in play and they're talking about the curry they had last night. And Do you not think that's too in? Because I always think that there's a little bit of a danger that you, that you exclude the audience. And it was actually funny during the <laughs> pandemic when we were all locked down in hotels together because that was a whole different world of being part of that slightly dysfunctional TMS family. So at, at the Aegeus Bowl in Southampton, there's a hotel and at Old Trafford, there is a hotel. So that's where all the cricket was played in the summer of 2020. All the internationals were there, but we created a, a kind of a bubble between all of all of us. And there was one particular night in the Red Rose Suite at Old Trafford, which was 
used to be an old hospitality area. It was the press box, then it was a hospitality area. And they set that aside for the broadcasters who were in that cricket bubble. So you, there was a table tennis table and Andy Zaltzman brought along his, I want to say shove halfpenny set, but I'm sure it's not a shove halfpenny set, but it's an old fashioned bar game that you can play. It might be bar billiards or something like that. So something very small and specific. And we were playing table tennis with Mark Ramprakash and we had jamming sessions with Agas brought his banjo, you know, cursedly. <laughs> um, and Henry Moran, who's a really good guitar player, had his guitar. Alison Mitchell plays the guitar really well. So she had her guitar. I think Zoltz did as well. And I have a video somewhere of us all doing a jamming session in the Red Rose Suite at Old Trafford on day three of a test match, dark outside and toughers who might or might not have had a couple of drinks doing some kind of blues rap over the top of this this beat being laid down by Ali Mitchell and Andy Zaltzman. And I don't think I dreamt it. I think this actually happened. I remember listening to those broadcasts and I think that is honestly, hand on heart, the most jealous I've ever been of any group of people in the media was those bubbles in Southampton and at Old Trafford. It just sounded like a, an amazing school trip. Well, it was. And, and I think also because at the time, people weren't doing that. You know, pu- pubs were banned. And and so going back to what I was saying about not wanting to exclude people, you know, you, you, you wonder actually whether it was, it was an entirely sensitive thing to do to say, we had a really good time last night. You know, Isha Gua ordered in a curry. Yeah, Isha's curries made my mouth water. I think, though, that Test Match Special, for those who don't listen to it, is sort of unique in broadcasting for the fact that they're commentating on a sport for eight hours a day for five days. So inevitably, there's not always... And some of the best moments on Test Match Special have been when they're just talking through a two-hour rain delay. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. People tune in, tune out when the cricket comes on. Yeah. And tune in when when people are just talking nonsense. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, I wonder if any of that camaraderie might feature in your dream pub. I mean, it might. Test cricket in England takes place in some of the great pub cities. That's true. You've got London, Durham, Nottingham. Yeah, it doesn't actually really happen in the cricket, doesn't happen in Durham, of course. It happens in Chester yes. Street. So but you, could get a, you yeah. could get a cab to Durham. You could get a cab. <laughs> you can get a cab, yeah. We sometimes stay in Newcastle. That's a great pub mm. city. Yeah, Bristol, not so much. Well, some tests in Bristol. So do you sort of have memories associated with pubs with cricket grounds or, or what was your sort of what's your Rolodex of great pubs? Well, I, I was going to I was going to nominate one of. So this is kind of linked to my first selection um, when we come to choosing choosing our, our beers. Oh, well, let's do that now. We can have your. Yeah, we can have your first draft selection, please. OK, my first draft selection is is a pint of it's it's a little bit it's a little bit predictable but a pint of Fuller's London Pride. Ooh, I don't think we've ever had that before. No. Really? It's very route 1, isn't it? But the but I have a number of reasons for that. Um my brother until a couple of years ago worked for Fuller's Brewery in Chiswick. Um and one of his clients was the MCC. So he would he would service the pavilion as it were. Or he would provide them with Fuller's London Pride and a couple of other things as well because that was that was his job. He was he worked in the free trade. So it was you know kind of pubs that that weren't tied pubs. So they were they were you know free free trade pubs, and so he would always make sure that the London Pride was at its optimum temperature and arrived on time, and there was plentiful supply of it to the pavilion at Lords. And he absolutely loved doing that. And it gave him a whole season pass as well. So he could go to Lords whenever he wanted to. And, and, you know, and just because he needed to be there to make sure that the members were happy with the beer, um, he could just watch hours and hours of cricket. And uh, he, he doesn't work for them anymore. So I feel like I can reveal this without you know, putting his, his career in jeopardy. But then they stopped serving. They, they I think Pedigree took over the whole basically the whole contract for Lords. So they decided that, that Fuller's had to go. So despite uprisings from the members, and you do not want to get on the wrong side of an MCC member who's being told that he can't have a pint of London Pride <laughs> at lunchtime in the members bar. So I'm going to go back to those days when you could get a pint of Fuller's London Pride. And I'm going to be in the members bar. And that, in a way, is my ideal spot for drinking and watching cricket, because it's right at the top, top tier of the pavilion at Lords. And as as the name implies, you have to be a member to, to, or a member's guest to be there. But there is a little balcony outside the bar itself, because the bar's not very big. So there is this stone balcony and you can just stand there and you can prop your pint up on the parapet of the bar, this red stone ledge, and you can watch the cricket and you get the most fantastic view of the whole of Lords from an amazing position high up in the pavilion. And it's it's I, I would say it's my happy place in the world. If I could identify my happy place, one of the places I feel most at peace with a pint of ale on that balcony outside the members bar. And the great thing about it as well is that there are there's graffiti 
which has been scratched into the stone, into the red stone up there. And it was, in, in many, many years ago, one of the dressing rooms. So there are names of players. It's a bit like bit like carvings on, in caves in the Dordogne or something like that. So they have scratched their initials and their names on this ledge outside, um, outside the bar. That's incredible. What a it's a wonderful, what place. an evocative description of a place I've never been and probably never will, but would desperately love to go. <laughs> John, I mean, you know, I it can be it can be arranged if you if you, Thank you. possess a tie and a jacket <laughs> <laughs> I will buy you a pint in the members bar Fuller's though very I mean London Pride I've never got into that much but do you remember Chiswick the beer Chiswick mm. do they still make that because that was sensational I did whether it, I, I can't remember it's, so what was that was that a bitter or was it an ale or is it an IPA yeah Chiswick was like the green label it was a lot weaker than London Pride okay and they had it in the used to have we in the Harcourt Arms in Oxford and we'd, we'd get four pint pictures of it <laughs> it was about, I think it was 3.8%. I think they still do have it in some proper Fuller's pubs, yeah. especially near the brewery. I mean, you used to be able to get it in bottles in sort of supermarkets. Right. Yes, I'm sure. No, I know. I do know what, you, I do know what you're talking mm. about now, actually. And there was a very nice, um, there's a very nice lighter beer as well in a, or kind of a gold beer. Oh, yeah. In a yellow, and I can't remember what that's, is it called a Pioneer? Is it called a Pioneer or am I thinking about a different? Frontier. Frontier, that's a sort of a, I guess that's like a lager pale ale hybrid, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a pale ale, I think. Yeah, and it's always got to be a pint as well. Not messing around with half pints. So your first choice on draft is Fuller's London Pride. What would your second choice be? Well, my second choice would be a cider, mm. and it would be a cider from Westons in Herefordshire, because I grew up in Herefordshire, it's where, or, or sort of on the Welsh borders, it's where my my dad was a vicar, and his parishes were in South Shropshire in a place called Clibre Mortimer and then in Ledbury in Herefordshire which is just down the road from Much Markle which is where Westons are based and it is you know it, it's beautiful beautiful the orchards the hop fields it's it's a lush area lush part of the of the country so I would choose I would choose a pint of Westons but the reason I'm choosing cider particularly is that in my student days there was a pub just off King's Parade in the centre of Cambridge um, which served cider in the days that, that I was there so in the 19, early 1980s and I just remember there being just a whole bar full of different ciders on tap and then a wall of fridges with ciders in bottles and you know and it was the kind of cider which you would get in a big glass and it would be full of bits and you know and they might be bits of apple or bits of apple residue, or bits of dead rat in the from the barrel, <laughs> but it was absolutely lethal stuff. And it was always the tap at the far end of the bar as well, which you know, which is you're really, you know, you're really pushing pushing the boat out and risking it, and then trying to cycle to my college, which was quite far away from the centre of Cambridge. It's the furthest furthest one from the centre of town, and weaving up the only hill in the whole of Cambridgeshire to get back to to college. And I have very happy memories of this. Pub of a Thousand Ciders. Maybe 20 years after I left, I went back with my then partner and I said, look, he, he said, you must know lots of great places to drink in, in Cambridge. And I said, well, things have changed, obviously, quite a bit since I was there. But I do remember this pub which served amazing cider. So anyway, so we found the pub, went in, walked up to the bar and uh, I said, right, what ciders do you have? And the barman said, well, we've got Strongbow, 
or we've got woodpecker. Mm. And that was it. So clearly the ciders were a thing of the past. And I don't know whether all your memories are like that, whether all of your the memories of your youth, you're always going to be disappointed. But I got such stick afterwards <laughs> from my other half saying, saying, oh, do you remember when we went to the pub of a thousand ciders <laughs> and they had a choice of woodpecker or strongbow? So, so uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, it's going to be a, a nice, clear Western cider. I think that's what Shelley was going on about in Ozymandias, you know. The, the, you think, you <laughs> think, think this was. pub of a thousand ciders is going to last forever, but, you know. And it's just ruins in the desert. All things crumble into the desert, yep. Yeah, just strongbow and woodpecker left. Do you know specifically which? Because I'm just looking up Western Cider in my mind, and their actual Henry Weston's range, the percentages are quite extraordinary. So the vintage is 8.2, the cloudy vintage 7.3, the rosé is a, is a, is a very uh, weak 5.5, the organic is 6 the aged vintage is six and a half. The Perry is 7.4. The medium dry is 7.3. But they do own, Westerns do own lots of other cider brands, including Stoford Press, Rob, uh, which is quite common now. Well, I, 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 Westerns Organic, I always used to drink that when I went to the Croft in Bristol, a music venue. And I used to call it Westerns Moronic because it was so strong. Well, I think they've rebranded that as Wildwood Organic oh, now, right, haven't yeah, they? That's yeah. 6%. Okay. yeah. It was loopy juice. Wow. Yeah, I think something no no more than seven percent. Okay. So what was the, so what was the cloudy option that you threw out there? The cloudy uh, vintage is a cool seven point three percent. Right. Okay. That's medium dry. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I, I prefer something dry. What I absolutely abhor is is the fruity stuff. Yeah. That my my daughters quite like drinking. Fake flavouring is a bad thing on the whole. Yeah, I think we're probably technically drinking more cider than ever because, you know, you go into a supermarket, the cider section is enormous, but the percentage of those ciders that, you know, 30 years ago you would have called cider is barely any. Yeah, I mean, they're effectively Alcopops now, aren't they? Some of them. Let's go to the pub, 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 pub. So we move on now to your bottles and cans uh, to accompany f- London Pride and Western's cider. Yes. Bottles. I'm going to go double bottle on this. So the first bottle I'm choosing is a white wine. And I know that I have to be more specific than just saying it's, it's a nice white wine. I do like wine. I do drink probably more wine than than anything else. I thought you were going to say anyone else then. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, because I will give you, um, I will present to you our Test Match special colleague, Mr. Daniel Norcross, who really does drink more wine than anything else. <laughs> um, and, and I have witnessed this on a number of occasions in cities around the country and around the world. So if I'm thinking about being in a pub with a bottle of white wine, I've usually got Daniel Norcross on the other side of the table and an ice bucket and in that ice bucket is a bottle of Peak Pool de Pinay. Oh, yes. I've seen a lot of these Peak Pool de Pinays. It does seem to have become quite a thing. So it, it feels like it's the modish wine of the moment, where at one point we were all drinking, you know, when I go back to my days of university, uh, well, post-university, working in London for Newsbeat on Radio 1, when we did used to go to the pub at lunchtime after the lunchtime Newsbeat, because, you know, there, there are still two Newsbeat bulletins on radio one or two 15 minute bulletins one at lunchtime one in in the evening and we would go to the pub after the lunchtime news beat 
having stubbed out the cigarettes that we'd been smoking in the office, because that's how long ago it was. And we go to one of the many pubs around the corner from Broadcasting House, possibly including the Hat and Stick or the Crown and Scepter or the Yorkshire Grey or the Stag, the Stag's Head, which you have, do, have either of you ever been to the, into the Stag's Head near Broadcasting I House? Think, yeah. I mean, I can remember it smelling very bad in the 19, late 80s and early 90s when you still had the cigarette smoke to disguise the smell. And I went back there recently and without, even without the cigarette smoke, it smells probably even worse, actually. I went in there last week, actually. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I was in the Stag's Head last week en route to the, the King's Head, Rob. Yeah, King's Head. Yeah, so we really like the King's Head, which is just across from the Stag's Head. Oh, I know. Yes, I know. And that, and just around the corner, up, up one of those little windy roads off off Great Portland Place. But yeah, I mean, the, the Stag's Head was where we all pitched up at lunchtime, and then probably after the evening show as well. But we, but we, you would drink. We would drink bottles of white wine. But it, probably in those days, it would be Chardonnay. So we would have that progression. So nineteen nineties Chardonnay. Then to the the noughties would have been a Sauvignon Blanc, really, perhaps, or a Pinot well, Grigio. I'm stuck, I'm stuck yeah. in the nineties. Oh, this is. <laughs> Are you still a Chardonnay drinker? No, no, um, Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, you're a Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I know I, I, I do like I do like Sauvignon Blanc, but I just think sometimes it's a bit. It could be a bit patchy because you know the quality I think dropped off a little bit because the market became a bit flooded. I mean, I'm sort of talking like I know what I'm talking about here, but, but you know, <laughs> that's what we do. But yeah, um, and and so and so then pickpool has become the kind of slightly more trendy thing because maybe it seemed a bit rarer. But I have a feeling that it's going to go down the Sauvignon route eventually. Well, the Peak Pool de Pinay, it's interesting. I've only tried it once because I thought it was akin to a Riesling, and I'm a big Riesling guy. But the, the Peak Pool de Pinay does have something in common with the Riesling, which is sort of its own unique bottle shape. That's true. Actually. It's quite tall and thin. So it is a bit like a Riesling bottle. But you, but do you, have, do you like your Rieslings in a brown bottle? Brown or green. I like them on the, yeah. the weaker, slightly sweeter side. These are like Riesling bottles if Riesling bottles came in again at the bottom. That's true. Mm. Yes, yes. They're, they're very distinctive, they're, you know, distinctive shape. And maybe that's one of those things as well that it's a little bit of a gimmick that you think, hey, look how sophisticated I am. I'm drinking my wine out of a slightly odd-shaped bottle. But also, it, I mean, not everything is going to go back to the Test Match special commentators because obviously the Moon Underwater has a, a very diverse audience and they may not know who I'm talking about when I talk about Daniel Norcross or or Jonathan Agnew, but if I just say to you that Jonathan Agnew is an absolute Chardonnay man to his fingertips, and Norcross would not touch Chardonnay, even if he was, as as somebody who loves his white wine, if he was dying of thirst, and it was the only thing available, he would not drink Chardonnay. So there's the deep divisions, deep divisions in that box. That is the sort of modern rule of thumb, isn't it? Anything but Chardonnay, ABC. Well, but yeah, that's, that's you know, that's wrong though. Because of course, you know, as all wine, all wine bores will tell you, Chablis is made out of Chardonnay and you wouldn't turn your nose up at a nice Chablis, would you? A little of what you like, it's a rich tapestry. It is. So your first bottle is Picpoule de Pinay. Picpoule de Pinay. Potentially uh, opposite yeah. from you sitting Dan Norcross. And what would be your second bottle? Second bottle would be a, a bottle of French lager. It's the kind of mm. thing that you maybe have on holiday. Stubbies. A little stubby or, or several little stubbies. And it's your first drink of the holiday. And I think that the first lager of the holiday is always the best. 
and and it just makes you think of arriving maybe you maybe you you know maybe you're staying in a little hotel or maybe you're in a little a little kind of b&b overlooking a, a bay and you decide you're going to go for your first drink and it's lunchtime and you've been up since half past three in the morning because you've got a stupidly early flight from Stansted but you're going to have a drink at lunchtime because you're on holiday and you know that drinking of the first little bottle of beer is going to make you feel like you're properly on holiday and I don't think anything ever tastes as good as that first beer as you pour it into your glass you're you're trying not to rush it because you just know how good that's going to taste then it hits the spot like nothing else I think beautiful stubbies i just feel like they've gone out of fashion now yeah they used to be the go-to kind of supermarket if you wanted to get some beers for home as well get get like a big you know yes little cronenborg yeah you know they're so good i i I kind of love how watery they are you know because they're like about three percent some of them you know even, even less sometimes and i think it's important to have a slight exception to the rules of the moon underwater because i think by their nature they have to be generic mm because it could be beer deluxe, beer d'or, yes, beer desmoulins, desmoulins, Delis desmoulins. Yep, yeah. yeah he, he he had had a very successful career for us. Desmoulins. You can also get a panache. You know, so so it's like it's like um, a lager top, which Jimmy is very partial to. Jimmy is partial ah. to a lager top, or a, or a little. Um, Oh God! What, 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 what's the mixture of lager and lemonade now that we all used to drink? Shandy. A shandy, a shandy, of course, a shandy. But the French, the French call it a panache. So panache. it's a panache. So it's a mix. So it's exactly that. It's a shandy. So it's a mix of of lager and lemonade. So probably it's even less alcoholic than what you're describing. But yeah, I think I think it's 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 a, a bo- little bottles of, of French lager. If I turned up to an Airbnb in Normandy, yeah, and you've gone to the supermarket. You've gone to Carrefour. Yeah, if I saw in the Airbnb they had Fuller's London Pride, Western Cider, a Pickapool de Pinay, and a big case of stubbies, I'd never leave the house. That's perfect. First thing you do in the, in the Carrefour as well, go to the cheese aisle. Yes. The cheese aisle is as big as like a supermarket back home. <laughs> mm, yeah. And you wander around and you think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this tin of haricot blanc. Yeah. Because at some point during the holiday, I will feel inspired to make something with haricot blanc and then you you take them back actually my, we used to go camping because we, we couldn't we couldn't afford airbnbs or or jeets or anything like that because as i said my my dad was a vicar and my mum my was a teacher so you know there wasn't a lot of cash flying around but but we used to go away for three-week camping holidays so we would you know we would go and go to the supermarket and buy a lot of the food which we would then bring back and my mum had a gas a gas camping stove so a camping gas stove with a little little blue not not like the little beer stubbies, but the little little blue gas canisters, and she could cook up a storm on this little stove, including and there was a grill pan as well, so she could actually make a shepherd's pie in a what? tent using <laughs> using a tin. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, this is slightly off topic, but a tin of tinned mints. So we'd br- brought from home, so we'd stock up the car with tins of stuff from home as well before you'd actually get to the supermarket. So tinned mints. Tinned condensed vegetable soup, smash, Cadbury smash, right. yeah. spread on the top, and then baked beans. So we would take, so I've got two brothers, and we would take a tin of baked beans for every single day of the holiday. So if we're there for thirty for, for, for three weeks, you'd take 21 tins of baked beans. On one particularly notorious holiday, we ran out of Cross and Blackwell baked beans. And so my mum 
bought a tin of haricot blanc, um, au sauce de tomate, so white beans and tomato sauce. And my brothers absolutely rejected it out of hand, refused, <laughs> refused to have it. But yeah, but it's those it's those things you buy on super, in supermarket trips when you're on a on on a self catering holiday, which end up coming back with you from the holiday, sitting in the cupboard. And 10 years later, you discover them at the back of the cupboard and you think, why did I buy this tin of anchovies or cassoulet or something? Because it felt like the thing to do on holiday. I want to come on one of these camping trips. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so first it's the members bar at Lord's. Yeah, then, then camping trips And then trip it's the camping three trip. weeks with 21 cans of beans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> in a tent. Well, so far in Ellie Aldroyd's at Dream Pub, we have Fuller's London Pride, Western Cider, Pickapool de Pinay, and generic stubbies, ideally, with a view of the bay in France. But we must expand our minds. We must, we must. And we hand over to the lovely Robin for the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Okay, everybody. Pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks John, and welcome to this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. This week's quiz is all about colours. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection. So three questions about colours, and the answers are in part two. So, question one. What colour are the O's in the Google logo? That's question one. Question two. It's a sporting one. What colour is the middle ring of the Olympics logo? The middle ring of the Olympics logo. Question three. I don't know if this one's easy or hard. It's definitely not easy. I I don't know how hard this one is, but I thought it was quite good. If (laughs) one... (laughs) Starts with if... If 1 to 250,000 is green and 1 to 100,000 is blue and 1 to 50,000 is pink, what colour is 1 to 25,000? Do you want me to repeat that one? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Do I need to write this down? I need, do I need a pen and paper? You, you might do, you might do. If 1 to 250,000 is green... And 1 to 100,000 is blue. And 1 to 50,000 is pink. What colour is 1 to 25,000? So there you go. Those are your three questions in the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. It's good stuff, man. I think I, I, think I know the, the premise of the third question, but I'm very excited to find out if I'm right. Okay. Um, great colour-based Moon Underwater pub quiz there and we now take a break Uh, this is the end of part one and we'll be back with you very shortly for part two of Ellie Oldroyd's Dream Pub Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat 
rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 